Brothers and sisters, hearing it out loud hit different. Right before Thanksgiving break, I had received news that my doctoral thesis had been approved, and I was, for all intents and purposes, in possession of the Doctor of Ministry degree. So I immediately emailed Father Karchi, Dr. Pitpain, and uh, Dr. Schmisek to, to let them know the news. And then Thanksgiving break happened. And it's not that I forgot about it. How can you forget two years of intensive academic work? But it just became part of the normal Thanksgiving table conversation. Oh, you got the doctorate. Oh, congratulations. I was telling people about it. But when we got back from break, and Father Karchi stood here and announced to the community that this degree had been conferred. That hit different. Telling people is one thing. Proclaiming is something else. Those two years of work that I had put into this degree, now they were no longer something that I had done. In that moment of proclamation, of making public this news, it became part of who I am. No longer something that I held at arm's length, but now part of the story of God's grace at work in my life. Proclamation hits different. Because proclamation makes present what is proclaimed. We as human beings participate in the power of God's own speech. His ability to bring something out of nothing. And he allows us to participate in this ministry of proclamation. To make present what is proclaimed. And no one symbolizes that better than the Baptist, John. For he comes proclaiming two realities, making present two pieces of such good news, it turns all of the neighborhood of Jerusalem upside down, shaking out every house onto the banks of the Jordan River. He proclaims a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Fulfilling more than just the prophecy of Isaiah about the, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. But he is the comfort spoken to Jerusalem. Make known to my people, says God to Isaiah, that her guilt is expiated. In that declaration of forgiveness, forgiveness is received. In announcing the removal of guilt, guilt is removed. No wonder all the housewives of Jerusalem set aside their washing. No wonder all the Pharisees put aside their scrolls in order to go out and to hear this proclaimed, spoken into their lives, so that it might no longer be something they hold at arm's length, but part of their very selves. They indeed can experience this forgiveness. 
But that's just one side of the Baptist coin. Because the second reality that John the Baptist proclaims, what he makes present by his participation in God's own speech, must have thrown all of those housewives and Pharisees for a loop. For there is John the Baptist decked in all of the trappings of the great prophets, camel's hair and the leather belt, eating the perfect kosher diet, locusts and wild honey which I have asked Effie to set out for brunch this morning. (laughs) You're all welcome. He gives off all the signals of being Elijah, the one coming in power. And there's all of Jerusalem hanging on his every word. And he says, One mightier than I is coming after me. You ain't seen nothing yet. I, I baptize you with water. That's easy mode. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I love Matthew's addition and fire. To burn away not just sins which have been forgiven by that washing of water, but to burn away the very roots of sin. To create of God's own people lustrous gold, reflective enough to show God's face shining in every heart and soul among his people. John the Baptist proclaims the presence of God and once again fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah, who is told to speak comfort to his people, to speak of the expiation of guilt but also to go up onto a high mountain and say to the cities of Judah, Here is your God. He is here among you. He is here with you. And even as John the Baptist says those words, that one mightier than I is coming after me, working his way through the crowd, pushing past the housewives and Pharisees to go down into the water himself. It's Jesus. The incarnate comfort of God. The one who is the word made flesh, proclamation given to us within our human nature. John and Isaiah's prophetic ministry in pointing forward to Christ makes present that reality, not as a far-off, distant hope, but as something near to us. And so John and Isaiah lay out a model for our own ministry of proclamation, to proclaim forgiveness and the presence of God. But proclamation requires something of us before we are to proclaim. Because proclamation needs to hit us different first. We need vulnerability to proclamation. Vulnerability to that good news. We try to hold a lot of things at arm's length. 
old wounds and sins, true, but also wisdom and counsel. Even when it comes from our spiritual director or formation advisor, when it comes from our friend or our loved one, we don't want to receive anything new. I've got myself figured out. Don't introduce anything new into the mix here. That's just going to complicate things. I don't want to be shaken up. I don't want to be turned out of my house and plopped on the banks of the Jordan River as this wild man preaches to me, because then I might have to change who I am. But what kind of preacher is that going to be? Without vulnerability to proclamation in our own hearts, our own proclamation, our own attempts to deliver good news to people will very quickly become old news with all of the flavor and texture of chewed gum. Lacking the sweetness of honey and the crunch of wild locusts. Brothers and sisters, we must receive if we are to give. We must be willing to receive comfort in those places of woundedness. We must be willing to receive forgiveness in those places of our sinfulness. We must be willing to receive the very Holy Spirit, that fire of God's own life. If we are in turn to give comfort, forgiveness, and the Holy Spirit to a world that has grown so cold without those things. Proclamation makes present what is proclaimed. Our guilt is expiated. Our service is at an end. Here is our God who comes to be with us, not at arm's length, but as close as he can be down into the very depths of our bodies and souls to infuse us by his body and blood with that fire of the Holy Spirit. The Mighty One is here with the cleansing fire of his Spirit. God's good news is given to us today, and it is given for one reason and one reason only, that we ourselves might become God's good news.